Hi, my name's Imani. My mom, Jenny, is a beautiful creepster. And you're listening to A Paranormal Chicks. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 96. And you just heard from Jenny and her son. Super cute. So freaking cute. Both are beautiful creepsters. Yeah, they are. And you know, I say it every fucking week. If you want to introduce an episode, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Okay, the first one is Peggy the Doll Fucked Up My Car. I just wanted y'all to know that I hit a freaking deer while listening to the Peggy the Doll episode. Right after I hit it, I got to the part where Donna warns us that weird things may happen while listening. Thanks, Donna. Sorry. I mean, Donna does I did hit, warn. And, and she does hit a lot of deer, so. I do. They hit me. She may or may not have uh, brought that on you. Uh, they hit me. Knock on wood that they have not hit me in my new car. Why in the fuck would you have said that? You just jinxed yourself. <laughs> Sorry. I wish y'all could have seen her face. She oh thought she was in so much trouble. Uh, that tone, though. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Holy shit. Did your ball glitch? Sorry. I did not mean it that serious. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. That came out way ser- more seriouser, more serious, way more serious than I meant it to be. Why the fuck <laughs> would you say that? Like, I was like, oh, what did I do? <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, I, I was a deer caught in headlights. That's what I was. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Okay, well, <laughs> I really was passionate about that deerage. Yeah, um, you know what, Mama's out there. If you need a soundbite, hit up Will, <laughs> and anytime your kids do anything, just play that soundbite. <laughs> Get one of those buttons that you know, like the like a Staples button, yeah, easy like button, the easy. Yep, just do it. Why the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. This one's called "Meet My Ghost, Dennis." Hi, I've recently discovered your podcast and I'm only on episode 21, but I have fallen in creepy love with y'all. I'm a psychotherapist right outside of Louisville, Kentucky. Shout out to the Waverly Hills episode, Been There, Don't Ever Need to Go Back. And I do designer cookies as a side hustle. Check me out on Facebook. I am the cookie counselor. I like that. That's a cute name. Do you give tips while you decorate? That's a TikTok fucking thing. Uh-huh. Dude, are you on TikTok as a cookie counselor? Because if not, uh, you should go right now and do it. And just give, like, quick positivity, mm-hmm. negative self-talk, blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah. like those kinds of things. You'd have two subscribers immediately. Mm-hmm. Put a finger down if these ADHD things apply to you. And then, like, make a hand cookie. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I mean, the TikToks write themselves. <laughs> yeah, we still don't do 
<laughs> okay, moving on. Okay, she goes on to say, this means hours and hours at my kitchen table listening to your gloriousness. I'm going to cry when I catch up and have to wait for new releases. I'm also planning a wedding for September in this COVID mess, so your podcast is really keeping my mind occupied, entertained, and sane. So thanks for that. I mean, I'm not taking this opportunity to plug Patreon and all the bonus content that's like two years worth of bonus content, but I'm going to take this opportunity to plug Patreon. So, you know, you could go on over to Patreon.com because we do a bonus episode every single week. Mm-hmm. Also, congrats on the wedding. Anyway, I wanted to share some stories about my haunted house. I bought my house in 2018, and it was built in the 30s, and I instantly fell in love with it. At the inspection, we saw some odd writing on the little crossboards along the ceiling in the unfinished basement. We didn't pay too much attention, but noticed one thing said, Dennis Shelton, 1960. So that's why our ghost is now named Dennis. The first and most significant sign of Dennis was my first night alone in the house a few days after moving in. I had just bought one of those adjustable bases for my bed, and since there were electrical cords under the bed and my cat likes to chew cords, I shut the bedroom door so he couldn't go in there. I was watching Grey's Anatomy, and I kept hearing some odd noises. It sounded like metal tapping metal, but I blew it off as just old house sounds, new house jitters. I went to the bathroom a little while later and noticed the bedroom door was open, and I immediately panicked, peed, and ran back to the couch to cover my head in a blanket. I called my fiancé all freaked out and begged him to come over immediately. When he arrived and checked the bedroom, he was like, what did you do to the door? And I said, I just shut it. The entire door had not just been open, but taken off the hinges and set down next to the doorframe. Holy shit. Yeah. Not like fallen off the hinges, carefully unscrewed and taken off the hinges. That is so fucking creepy. I definitely didn't sleep at all that night. A few weeks later, I woke up in the morning from a horrible nightmare and my back was burning. I pulled up my shirt and asked my fiance if it was red or if something bit me. Uh Uh-oh, scratches, three. (laughs) And he was silent. I ran to look in the mirror, and there were three long, continuous scratches from my shoulders all the way to my ass crack. Insert curtsy. I do pay attention, motherfuckers. (laughs) My cat sleeps downstairs, and we shut him out of the room at night because he's super annoying, so it couldn't have been him. The scratches were on my back for several days, which was super creepy. I've always been a dreamer, but at that point, my dreams took a turn for the worst. I had terrible nightmares where my fiancé had to wake me up when I was screaming bloody murder multiple nights per week. One nightmare was that my house was flooding and it was crazy detailed. Like, I could tell you how the living room was arranged, although it wasn't my current living room. I live a mile-ish from the river and my house was standing when the 1937 flood hit the Louisville area, so it really had me freaked out. I tried to research records, dentists, etc. to see if someone died in the flood, but I can't seem to find anything. I then noticed that when walking upstairs from the basement from doing laundry, oh, no, no, no. Mm -mm, You got to get one of those things. What are they called? Laundry chute things with the pulley system? Uh Uh-uh. I ain't going down there. Y'all know what I say. Nothing's good in the basement because it's laundry and demons. Anyway, and in her case, sounds like both. Mm-hmm. Okay, 
I then noticed when walking upstairs from the basement from doing laundry, I started to trip up the stairs nearly every single time. I'm clumsy, but like hit your saddlebags on the wall when rounding the corner clumsy, not stairs clumsy. My cousin had been recently diagnosed with ALS, and I literally was worried that there was something neurologically wrong with me because I couldn't walk up the damn stairs. As I paid more attention to it and took my time, I noticed that my foot would never actually touch the stair when I trip. It was just like it was hitting something else and I would fall forward. I also have one mysterious drawer in the kitchen that always opens on its own. It's right behind my back as I do cookies, and it will slowly open and hit my back multiple times a night. When I shower late at night, I'll turn off the shower and still hear running water. And when I pull back the curtain, the sink is on full blast and I didn't turn it on. This has happened twice. I'm still not sure if this was a dream or not, but one time I woke up in the middle of the night and I keep my TV on all night sometimes, you know, if Netflix doesn't turn off automatically, and I saw a shadow of a male-looking figure standing at the end of the bed in front of the TV. I may or may not have peed myself a little bit. I shared all of this with my team at work, and one of the ladies is a Native American. She gave me an ancient turtle shell to burn sage with a red feather and it has to be red for some reason, and sweetgrass, and strict instructions on how to cleanse the house. I followed her instructions, and Dennis hasn't messed with me too badly since then. I still think he's around, just not scratching my back, tripping me up the stairs, or taking doors off their hinges. But let me tell you how glorious it is to not trip up the stairs after doing it every time. I think my golden doodle, Woodford, sees him often as he tends to bark towards the bedroom from the hallway for no reason, and he literally will not go downstairs to the basement. I apologize. I feel like that was super long. Anyways, I appreciate you guys, your content, and your personal stories. I feel like I know y'all, like I'm one of your peeps, and that's truly a gift to come across like that just with audio on a podcast. Thank you for being my podcast besties. Love y'all, Liz, Carl. P.S. I know I am so far behind on your episodes, but so far I have not been offended by y'all or any opinions. And I'm a therapist. That says something about your mental health. And the schizophrenic state that you were talking about in episode 20 is catatonia if no one's told you yet. And it's fucking scary as shit. I once had a client that told me the dark dressed lady that follows her couldn't follow her into my office, but she was right outside the door. She would also readjust herself in her chair during the sessions and would freeze in the most ridiculous positions. One time she froze, she was death staring me in the eye and was absolutely frozen with one hand in the air and the other on her neck like she was choking herself for like 10 minutes. Not gonna lie though, I was way more worried about the possible dark dress lady outside my office. She also once stopped mid-conversation about her hamster, stood up, walked over to me, put her index finger to my nose and screamed at the top of her lungs in a super deep voice, Mama knows. That was a fun day. Maybe it's schizophrenia or psychosis. Maybe it's possession. You just never know. Love y'all. Wow. Okay. I need you to write like a hundred more emails because you got some stories and cookies. I just want the cookies. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I want the stories too. Also, I just had to say that uh, I need to see pictures of Woodford, your golden doodle, and does he have a girlfriend because Marley's single. 
does he like a bitch that likes to be on top? Because Marley, just like her meme <laughs> She is. <laughs> she is. That skipped a generation. Well, you got daddy issues. <laughs> I'm not going any further than that. <laughs> also, really, thank you so much, Liz, for your email. And thank you for your kind words. And that's, we're just trying to be ourselves and we're glad that we do connect with people like you. You definitely sound like me tripping up the stairs instead of down the stairs. I've tripped upstairs, downstairs, around the stairs, through the stairs, over the hills and through the woods. But I did like how you said saddlebags hitting on the walls, <laughs> yes. on the corners, because uh, Carrie will ping pong her fucking walls. I swear. I'm like, literally the- said those exact words today at work as I <laughs> ping ponged through the bathroom door at work. <laughs> okay, the next one. Hey, ladies. How are you beautiful ladies doing? Here's the sinister sightings that is long overdue. I mentioned it in the group almost a year ago. One of my ex-coworkers told us several stories about her life. Knowing her better now than than I did, I don't think they are real, but who knows? I'll call her Kay to keep her identity a secret. Kay is one of those women who always has a story to top whatever story you're talking about. Since I talked a lot about your podcast, she was always quick to tell me one of her personal stories that was close to or worse than whatever story I was relaying to her. There are four that I remember, and I'll bounce back and forth between her true crime and paranormal stories. In Carson City, Nevada, there's a children's museum where she used to work. I've been there a lot of times with my kids, and there are some areas that just give an off-settling vibe. According to Kay, there was a janitor that worked there years ago until he passed away. Kay says that when she was there alone, she would always see an old man in overalls who was pushing a mop bucket around, sometimes just out of the corner of her eye, and others, she would full-on see him. She said he never made her feel creepy, more like he was just keeping an eye on the place. The only time she got fully freaked out is when she had to call the cops because she kept hearing loud footsteps and things falling when she was supposed to be there alone. Turns out, a homeless man had found his way into the building and was living there. A true crime story Kay told me was that a friend of hers had a grandson that passed away when her friend took him to the park. Apparently, Grandma and her grandson were spending the day at the park when the grandson had to go to the bathroom. I guess the grandson was around four or five and wanted to go to the big boy bathroom all by himself. Grandma apparently waited around outside the bathroom and when she thought he had taken more than enough time, she started calling into the bathroom asking him if he was done yet. When she got no answer, she went up to a man in the park and asked him to go in and check on her grandson. I would have gone in if it was my kid slash grandkid, but shrug. The man came out of the bathroom carrying her grandson, whose lap was covered in blood. The man was yelling for someone to call 911. According to Kay, there were two teenage boys who had been in the bathroom and, for whatever sick reason, decided to cut off the little boy's private parts. (gasps) No! They snuck out a window at the back of the bathroom and weren't caught for a while. The boy ended up passing away. On this one, I tried to look up any news articles based on the park where Kay said it happened, and I couldn't find any. 
While that doesn't mean this story isn't true, it also makes me question it. The second paranormal story I remember her telling me was about how her son used to see a ghost when he would go to her parents' house. Apparently, he would only see the ghost when they were outside and he was looking into the house. Kay says her son would tell her stories about the boy's life and how he died. Unfortunately, I don't remember any of the exact stories, just that I really didn't trust what she was saying. The last story I remember Kay telling me is one that just really pissed me off, hence why I saved it for last. Apparently, Kay had an uncle who had gone to prison a couple of times. He had gone in for rape charges and then for beating up his own dad bad enough he went into a coma. When her uncle got out of prison for that, his father had died and he moved in with his mom. I will never understand how his mom was okay with that. Well, after what Kay's uncle did to his dad, most of the family was afraid of him. There were several occasions when Kay's grandma slash his mom would call Kay's dad and say she believed Kay's uncle had a girl out in the shed in her backyard and she didn't know what to do because she was afraid of him. Kay's dad was also afraid, so none of them ever did anything. Eventually, Kay's grandma passed away, and Kay was working with her grandma's lawyer at the time, so Kay went with them to the house to serve her uncle with some kind of paperwork or something. Kay said her uncle met them at the door with a shotgun and refused to let them in. That night, he burned the shed down and took off, eventually ending up in another state with one of his brothers until he died a few years later. Kay said no one ever investigated the shed burning down and that the family that lived in the area just cleaned everything up and sold the house. So no one knows if he ever had any girls locked up out there, nor did they ever bother to find out. It was all just swept under the rug because everyone was afraid of him. While I doubt the validity of any of Kay's stories, this last one makes me wonder. How many people out there know that a family member is up to no good, but don't do anything about it out of fear? Sadly, I think it's more people than I'd like to believe. What do you ladies think? Anyways, that's all I remember from my ex-coworker Kay and her stories. Well, actually, she had a lot more stories, but those are the ones that relate to the paranormal and true crime. Have a great day. Thank you again for the great content. Thanks again, Nicole. Holy crap. I do hate a one-upper, even though I am a one-upper sometimes. But not like a one-upper. I just also have a story. Mine's not better or worse. It's just like also a story. She always has a story. I do. I've lived a life. I'm 35 years old. Oh, Jesus. You're so old. (laughs) You do always have a story, though. But I really hope that story about the little boy is false. I hope all of it's false. Yeah, honestly. Gosh. But I bet, I mean, just half of our stories, though. Think about how many people have accomplices or have, because they're fearful, or have mm-hmm. have victims that have to participate because they're fearful or what have you. So it stands to reason that there would be many family members who had been manipulated and abused for decades that would just stay silent it makes total sense yeah thank you for sharing her stories with us all right the next one hi girls 
I've been listening just for a short while as I found your podcast serendipitously. I'm a huge fan of true crime as well as the paranormal, so your podcast format is right up my alley. Your personalities and style of presenting is so much fun. It always feels like I'm visiting with friends, which is nice, especially during this lengthy quarantine. I'll start with my earliest memories that all took place in the house my parents and younger brother lived in when I was four, and he would have been two. My parents had purchased this home in the older downtown sector as young first-time homeowners, and utilizing my armchair detective skills, I found that Zillow has the home listed as having been built in 1917. However, I do remember hearing a rumor that the house had been moved into a lot a long time ago, and I was born into the 70s, so this home's history does go back a while. It's highly possible that the home is older and the records are just crummy. I should also preface all of my stories with an explanation that I was raised very conservatively and religiously, to the point where I wasn't even allowed to watch Disney movies until the late 80s due to the concerns my parents had for certain imagery and content centered around the notion of quote-unquote witchcraft. Anyway, this was a sleepy little town in California with around 15,000 people and everything was close. The whole town was about three square miles, if even that. All 917 square feet of this house always gave me the creeps. It had single-story apartments next to it on the lot to the north and to the south. The house on the lot was a beautiful but creepy two-story home with a nice elderly couple. The backyard bumped up to another old house's lot and backyard. The dining area at the center of the house had a built-in china hutch with a mirror set in the back of the buffet shelf. I was terrified to look into the mirror and avoided it at all cost. My spot at the dining table had the chair turned away so it wasn't often that I had to look at the mirror directly, but it was almost just as creepy having my back turned to it. I also didn't like the hallway off the dining room that connected the bedrooms and the bathroom to each other at all. My little brother and I shared the back bedroom and my parents used the bedroom at the front of the house on the other side of the bathroom. I remember the walls being bare white. The bathroom had a strangeness about it too, where the placement of the mirror above the sink was somehow aligned with the mirror in the living room mantle installed above the fireplace. So if the bathroom door was cracked open, just so you could see into the whole bathroom from a point in the living room. We discovered it by accident when family was visiting, but after that, I just felt like it was sinister. And how would a small child even think that up on their own. The kitchen at the rear of the house sounded odd when you walked into it, like the floor was just floating and hollow underneath, and sounds echoed off the ceiling in the kitchen strangely too. I didn't like the kitchen, but I do remember my mother cooking a turkey for Thanksgiving that autumn in the house and being quite proud of it. I would definitely be described as a precocious child. Anne was trained to answer the phone at a young age to the effect of something like, blank residence, who's calling please? I answered the phone once and a very shrill voice on the other end of the line asked to speak to my grandfather who did not live with us. I said, my grandpa isn't here, may I take a message? But the voice persisted, hello, I need to speak to your grandfather, is he there? How about your parents? I hung up and ran to tell my parents that aliens were watching us and called to trick us. 
Apparently, I had a very good imagination as a child. It turns out that it was my own dad prank calling me as he was testing the phone lines during the renovations they had started while we were living there. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Dad. (laughs) I know. A short time later, I was told I was not allowed to answer the phone any longer because, quote, it wasn't safe. Well, because y'all pranked. (laughs) When I was a young adult years later, my mother told me that the reason for abruptly ending my stint as a small-time secretary was due to someone calling the house multiple times a day. The caller would watch and wait until my father left for work in the morning or even after he would come home for lunch midday and leave a second time. He would talk, give details about what people were wearing, the cars that were coming and going, etc., and ask whomever answered to come back to the window or whatever. The police were involved to some extent, but my parents never figured out who it was. At that same house, my bicycle was stolen off of our front porch. I was devastated. Once while I was playing alone outside, I somehow was able to climb up high enough to the side window. There, I found razor blades that were being used to scrape paint off of old windows after painting the home's exterior during the renovations. I remember thinking, I don't think these razors are as dangerous as they've been made out to be. What's the big deal? I managed to cut myself on my face pretty extensively before my mom found me and was understandably very upset. Somehow, I didn't suffer any permanent damage, but the idea of how dangerous that could have been to myself or my brother is pretty frightening even today. My brother had lots of imaginary friends as a child during our time there and even afterward. One was called Jason. My brother often blamed his getting into trouble on things that Jason had done, but my parents never believed him. I was often protective of my brother and would beg my parents to not punish him for the offenses. About six years and many homes later, we moved into a house across town where the boy who lived next door was in fact named Jason and he was my brother's best friend. That was hard to brush off as a coincidence. Also difficult to brush off was my feelings of protection for my brother. Another time while playing outside alone, I got tired or hungry or maybe had to use the bathroom. I came inside and was looking for my parents. No one was there. I started to panic after looking everywhere inside and went back outside to check, and sure enough, no one was there, but the family car was. Again, being precocious, I knew not only how to dial the phone, I had the police station's phone number memorized before the days of 911. I jumped and startled once the arriving officers knocked on the front door a few minutes later, and I hesitated for a moment to open it. Afraid that whoever disappeared, my brother and my parents might have come back to snatch me too. Two police officers came in and I told them I couldn't find my family anywhere. One stayed with me and the other went to look around. As chance would have it, when I came inside through the front door that first time, my parents had just slipped out the back door. And when I looked out back for them after searching the house, they had just gone around the side of the house and came back through the front momentarily before heading back outside while I was inside, again waiting on the police. I was relieved, but scared that my family just seemed to have vanished into thin air so easily. The police did not seem amused as they got a phone call from a five-year-old, but the whole ordeal was probably 15 minutes from start to finish. We had a string of bad luck with animals there. We had chickens who all died after being maimed one by one despite my parents' best efforts to shelter them safely. 
We had a small golden-colored dog who died. We haphazardly got another dog after that who was ironically the same breed and color. The dog was a terror and very destructive and had a bad habit of running out the front door. One time running out the door proved to be too much. She ran out the door off the porch steps and down to the street. Sadly, a passing motorist ran her over. If I remember right, it was a mail truck. I remember my dad wrapping the dog's suffering body in a red fabric blanket that my mother had made for us kids and setting her on the hollow-sounding kitchen floor before she expired as I said my tearful goodbyes. The dog died a short time after my dad buried her in the backyard next to her canine doppelganger who had preceded her in death. Having two look-alike pets in a row messes with your head. We had that blanket for years afterward, and the last time I saw it, it was tattered and had some faded stains on it. I never liked playing in the backyard, and those buried dog corpses sealed the deal for me. I preferred to play on the front porch, but later on, that also became dangerous. Sometime during our stay in that home, I began to have very graphic dreams, which seem impossible due to my strict and sheltered upbringing. It was a reoccurring nightmare that I had for years afterward about my family being held by several home invaders at gunpoint while being restrained, tied to chairs, and gagged. The invaders had shotguns and inexplicably were dressed in doctor's drab green surgical garb, complete with masks, so I never saw their faces. There were four or five of these figures, along with the four of us in my family. Sometimes the dreams went into the reoccurring scenes of torture and eventual murder of my family members before I would wake. I was glad those dreams didn't always progress that far into the story. I usually went to my parents' room to tell them I had bad dreams, but I never told them about the specifics of the dreams because I thought they would think I was weird. I know we lived there long enough to celebrate my fifth birthday in the house, of which I've enclosed a photo. I'm in the blue dress on the left of the photo, and the creepy mirrored hutch is at the rear of the room to the center. The kitchen's doorway, where my dog died, and the appliances are just visible to the rear left corner of the photo. Much to my relief, in a twist of fate, we had to move, probably before my sixth birthday, because the home was repossessed. And yes, I mean, it was probably already possessed and haunted at first, and then repossessed by the bank due to a tangled web of paperwork and red tape that my parents just didn't know how to overcome in their youth. I know a lot of these things seem like a culmination of stuff that just happens, but there was something about that house I just couldn't handle. I have no idea what happened to the home in the years between then and now. The nice elderly couple who lived in the house next door or my dogs buried in the pet cemetery out back but I can tell you that my strange, vivid, and graphic dreams have continued, and often they have come before something similar happened in reality. Into my 40s, I am still learning to trust this seemingly sixth sense, but it's so hard to know what is just imagination and what is possibly a window to the future. I have lots more things to tell you about as I think about all the stuff I've blocked out of my memory for some mental peace and quiet. I hope this was entertaining to both you and your listeners if you choose to share it. Thanks for taking the time to read it. Janine. Holy shit. That was so much. And I get what you mean. Like, yeah, it's a culmination of stuff. But like, no, you putting all that together, that was a lot to handle. 
in that house. I could understand like having that feeling, that foreboding feeling about that house. Oh my god! I, yeah, I, I can't. I'm. <laughs> I got no words. I'm like, whew. Hey y'all, my name is Jennifer, and I've been wanting to write y'all for a while, but you know, life and just not knowing how to start. Oh, and my three-year-old, every time she hears the music to y'all's intro, says, Ooh, Mama is a monster. Aww. <laughs> my 11-year-old Emma is going to hear this and totally fangirl. She loves y'all. Hey, Emma. Oh, that's so sweet. Hey, Emma. The house I grew up in has a man that lives in it. He was first recognized when my cousin, four at the time, said there was a man in the front bedroom, my brother's room. All the adults, his mom, our grandparents, tore the house apart, and there was no man. Couldn't see any evidence of anyone getting into the house or anything. And, well, that sort of got swept under the rug. Fast forward sometime later, and I'm walking down the hall, and I go to the bathroom, happen to look to my left, into my brother's room, and there's a man just standing there, a black figure. Very tall and sort of hunchbacked. Your girl has terrible eyesight, but I know what I saw. I go tell my granny, and of course, when it gets checked out, there's no man. But luckily, she believed me. She has always had things following her since she was a kid. Her words, not mine. Go forward a few more years, and my pawpaw is dying from cancer. I have this dream where I get up to go to the bathroom, and when I come back, the man is sitting on my bed. He has more features now, but nothing recognizable, if that makes sense. Anyway, he just tells me that everything will be okay. Some months later, my pawpaw died in his hospital bed in our living room. I still continued to see the man just standing in my brother's room like usual. I joke with my kids all the time, telling them Granny's house, she's actually their great-granny, is haunted and the man lives in that room. The older two love it, and the little one says, a boogeyman? Anyway, more to come later on on the man and my Granny's house. I may even get her to retell some of her own stories. Until next time, much love, Jen. Oh my gosh, you gotta get your Granny to tell us all the stories. All the stories. Come on, Granny, type them in. Yes. And you know what? That's where my sister died, too. In a hospital bed in the living room of my mama's house. You see what I mean? I have a story. Always got a story. <laughs> All right. The next one is Mary in the Mirror. Hi, ladies. I have attached a PDF of my story for sinister sightings that I typed up. Not only would I love it if you read it, but my mom would love it, too. Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. This is a paranormal story involving my older brother and my mother. This was way before I was born when my brother was only around two and a half or three years old. My mom has told me this story since I was little and never wavers from the original telling. Here it is. My mother, her then garbage husband, and my older brother had moved into a house in a tiny town in the early 80s and started remodeling it. They had added a second floor where the master bedroom was now located. My mother said my brother would often jump on the bed while she was upstairs cleaning or putting things away. The bed was directly across from an armoire with a huge mirror above it. She often heard my brother chatting away as he bounced and assumed he was talking to an imaginary friend because that's what kids do, right? This was common and my mom never thought much of it. 
One day, as my mom was putting away laundry in another room, she heard the bouncing stop and the pitter-patter of my brother's feet rush into the room. What's the matter, she asked. Mary told me to get a knife and stab you in the back with it, my brother replied with a concerned look on his little tiny toddler face. My mom froze. What did he just tell her? She asked him to repeat himself, and as clear as before, he repeated, Mary told me to get a knife and stab you in the back with it. My mom told me the feeling of dread washed over her. She asked my brother who Mary was, and he told her that's who he talks to in the mirror. My mom grabbed my brother, ran downstairs, and waited until her garbage husband came home and told him what happened. This freaked him out, so he took the mirror down and they smashed it and threw the pieces away. My mom said the next day she asked her neighbor, who had been living next door for a few decades, who had previously lived in the house. The neighbor said that a lady lived there by the name of Mary. Her bedroom happened to be right under where the new addition had been made. My mom said that this was very frightening for her because, I mean, how many toddlers do you know know how to say something like that? And to have this woman contacting her son was too much for her. She said after the mirror was gone, my brother never mentioned Mary again and no longer chatted with anyone while he jumped on the bed. My sister was born shortly after and they moved from that house, which still stands to this day with the addition over Mary's room. Thanks for reading my story. I have tons more that I'll send in. Sincerely, Nicole from New Jersey. Holy shit. Well, that's creepy as fuck. So creepy. One, just to hear your child say that, like, so matter-of-factly, but, like, have concern, too. Like, he knows that's not right. But Mary's an adult. Oh, my gosh. Mirror, mirror, on the wall, who does Mary want to kill today? (laughs) I mean... Oh, God. Then you got to give yourself seven years bad luck for smashing the mirror. I know. But then I'm like, oh, my God. See, I would be so scared to smash it and then try to get rid of the pieces because then what if you release spirits and stuff? Oh, uh-uh. No, uh-uh. Mm-mm. Don't like that. Whew. Hey, new to the podcast and absolutely love A Paranormal Chicks podcast, You Ladies Rock. My story may be lame. I'm sure it's not. So, my dad had this friend that was such a wonderful man. He was a cowboy like my dad. I grew up going to ride his horses, spending time along with his kids. So, when I was around 15 years old, my dad's friend unfortunately ended up with lung cancer and soon passed away. It was very sad for the whole family. So, as anyone knows, cowboys tell great stories. After his friend's ashes were released at the funeral, my dad, my mom, and me stayed up late talking and telling old stories about my dad's cowboy friend. Yes, he was wild, funny, and always living life on the edge. He had this infectious smile and played tricks. One time he saddled my horse backwards. Well, soon it was almost 3 a.m., us sitting in the kitchen, the rest of the house was dark, we heard a crash in the living room. My mom and I go to investigate the living room, turn on the lights, and we see my mom's glass candle holder lying on the tile flooring in the entryway. We are talking clear across the living room. Okay, so my mom had this wire candle holder that looked like the shape of an angel. It was gold, it was about 12 inches tall, and you hung it on the wall, then it had a round piece 
that the glass candle holder sat in. Now, to give you a better picture, the glass candle holder looked like a wine glass, but it didn't have the round bottom. And when you put it in the round wire piece on the angel candle holder, the glass sunk all the way to the rim of the glass. I totally used to have one of these, but it was like black and had a little florally thing on it. Anyway, and it held a, a candle. So with all of this being said, you physically had to pick the glass up out of the round wire spot on the angel. It couldn't just fall. So me and my mom looked at each other and both said that had to be my dad's cowboy friend saying goodbye. I thought it was crazy the glass candle holder didn't break from landing clear across the living room on tile. It was completely unexplainable and it had to have been my dad's cowboy friend and with the candle holder being an angel, it had to be him. Creep on, you all. Love the podcast with love and light. Kimberly M. Wow. That it didn't break. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, I wonder if it broke. And then, you know, she said that it didn't break. So I was like, oh, well, shit. Yeah. That's even, you know, like more like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like that's like the telltale sign. Because it really, I had one. It's actually synchronicity too, though, that you are describing this because. I'm kind of trying to gather some things for a yard sale, and I found my box with those in it two days ago. Wow. So those were, like, picturing that, I'm like, no, you really, it sinks in. Like, you have to pick it up to take it out. Yeah. That's wild. And it sounds like something he would do. Like, coming from the angel and stuff, you know? Just being like, hey, guys, it's me. Mm Mm-hmm. Thanks for remembering me. Yeah. I'm heading on my way. Yeah. Okay, final one. Hey, ladies, Becca here. You can use my name. I don't think anyone I know listens, but who knows? There are too many people in the spider web of my life. Anyway, I have kind of a paranormal story for y'all. The first one is about my quote-unquote powers. Ever since I was little, I've had dreams that always eventually come true. While almost none of them can be confirmed because it's just my word, I've had detailed dreams about my siblings having children and their genders, divorces that have come to pass, friends I've ended up meeting that I'm still close with, and more. This one, though, this one I can prove. I keep journals. Usually the entries are about things that are going on in my life and how I feel about them. I'm dramatic, and journals are the only place I can fully let loose without someone side-eyeing me. I never write down my dreams, but this time, for whatever reason, I did. So let's go back to May 15th, 2015. That's five years ago. The entry describes a dream I had about a man. He's left-handed, green-eyed, dark-haired, tan, and the smartest person I've ever thought up. I describe how he's always working on projects, doing research, and asking questions, Almost a year later, I meet my partner that I've been with for now over four years. Guess what? He's left-handed, green-eyed, dark-haired, tan, smarter than I could even describe, and constantly working on projects. Recently, I had a dream that we have twins together in the next few years. Let's put these powers to the test. Becca. So that whole, like, left-handed, green-eyed, dark-haired, that so reminded me of on... Practical magic. Practical magic, yeah. Also, can you uh, dream up my dream guy? Just just wondering. What is he? I don't know. 
that's what I'm saying. Like, can she? Oh, tell she just got to dream it up and then tell you what. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Point me in the right direction. I trust your instincts. I do not hesitate to believe you. Also, keep us posted on the twins. Yes. We'll send on a her lover boy, and y'all keep sending in these stories. Y'all are doing a great job. A paranormal chicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and, and don't, don't get scared. scared.